Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. To find information about the bridge, including service times and directions, check out thebridgeportage.org. We hope the following message inspires you to be one, make one. Daniel and his friends are an extremely positive example for us to follow today, but God is the true hero. He's the one that puts them in a position of influence. He's the one that rescues them from the fiery furnace. He's the one that rescues Daniel from the lion's den. But again, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego really are a powerful example of what it looks like to live out faith in a context that's not our true home. You may not know this, but the New Testament calls us as Christians foreigners and exiles. And we're called that because we realize that our true home is not here on earth. So for the 20 or 40 or 60 or 80 or 100 years that God gives us here on earth, we should actually view ourselves as an exile. Like, yeah, this is not my true home. And when we realize that, there's a few ways that we can respond. I'm going to give you three. The first two are negative examples, and the third one is what we want to try to do. The first thing we can do when we realize this is not my true home is we could still just decide to live as if it is our true home. We could give in completely to the way of the world and just say, whatever the world's doing, I'm going to do it. I'm going to adapt all of its customs, all of its practices. I'm going to look no different from the people around me. I'm going to live as if this earth is my home. And that's wrong, biblically speaking, because we are told that we don't belong to this world. We should not simply act like everyone else. A second way we could respond, which is also wrong, is we could withdraw completely. It's on the complete other side of the spectrum. We could say, well, if this is not my true home, I'm not going to adapt any of the customs. I'm not going to engage any of the culture. I'm not going to put down any roots. I'm not going to form any meaningful relationships. I'm essentially going to sit on my hands and wait for heaven because that's my true home. This isn't anyway. So why would I even get involved? Why would I even get involved? And that's the wrong answer, biblically speaking, because even though As Christians, we do not belong to this world. We are sent out on mission in it. And so there's actually a third way that's described biblically that we're supposed to live as exiles. Some of you have heard the description of in the world, but not of it. It comes from John. I think actually a better description would be we're not from this world, but we are sent back into it. And it's where we decide to put down roots, to make relationships to learn the customs of the people around us, to engage culture, but all of that to a point. Because there will be times where we say, this is not my true home. This is not the kingdom that I'm living for. And I am drawing a line in the sand and saying, there's many things I'll do just like everyone else around me, but there are some things I won't do. And that's exactly the example we get from Daniel and his friends. So how do we navigate this life If we're trying to follow Jesus as a foreigner in exile here on earth, let's go to Daniel to find out. We're going to look at three excerpts from three stories in Daniel, all of them powerful. They're in your message notes. And the first one kind of gets at this question, what will you do when God's way is at odds with what seems best? So let's go to Daniel chapter one. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Just pause there for a minute. Part of the reason that Daniel and his friends can be such good examples to us as we're trying to live as foreigners and exiles is because they were literally foreigners and exiles. 
If you know the Old Testament story, you know that God chose one family, Abraham's family, which turned into one nation, the nation of Israel. And he told them, if you obey me, you'll be blessed. But if you disobey me, you're going to face punishment. And if you read the Old Testament, even like a teensy tiny amount, you know Israel disobeyed God. And eventually they suffered the punishment. And part of that punishment was that Israel was allowed to be exiled. And Daniel and his friends were part of the southern kingdom of Israel from the tribe of Judah, and they were exiled to Babylon. And so they can be powerful examples for us because they know what it looks like to live as foreigners and exiles. They know what it looks like to try to sort out their faith in a place that isn't home because they were literally brought to a place that wasn't home in Babylon. Let's keep reading the story. The king said, train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. And the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Pausing one more time. As we keep reading in chapter one, it actually becomes more clear. Entering the royal service was not a guarantee. They were in training, almost like a a job application, along with other young men. And they were trying to get this honor And they were trying to stand out among people in a positive way so they would be chosen to the king's royal service. It was not a guarantee. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of these young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with Babylonian names. And uh, Daniel, for whatever reason, we continue to know by Daniel, his Jewish name, but we know his friends by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So those are the names I'll use today. But listen to the end of this story here. But through all this, Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. And I'm going to fill in the rest of the story for you because if you're not familiar, you might think, wow, Daniel stood up to the king over food. I'm sure he got rejected right away. Application denied. You're not going to be part of the king's royal service. You won't even eat what I'm serving you, you ungrateful jerk. That's actually not what happens at all because God is the true hero of every story and he respects and honors Daniel and his friend's obedience and he allows them anyway to reach a place of prominent honor and we'll get there in just a minute. But isn't it amazing the example that they set these young men? They, they, They choose the third way that we mentioned at the beginning. They say, there are things that we'll do. We'll learn your language. We'll learn your literature. We'll take on your customs, the culture. You want to change our names to Babylonian names? Fine, change our names. But there are some things we will not do. And when it comes to this food, which certainly would have included meat that they were not supposed to eat as Jews, when it comes to this food, there are things we won't do. Again, we'll adopt some of the culture. You can change our name. We won't give in on this point. And they had a lot to lose. They had this huge opportunity at stake. And they trusted God's way, even though it might not have seemed best to them. There had to at least been a moment where eating the food would have seemed best, right? Let's just eat it. It's not that big a deal. And there's a bunch of ways they could have justified that. Number one is, hey, it's not that big of a deal. It's just food, right? Are we really going to lose this opportunity over some meat? And I wonder if you've ever been in that place where you had a choice between what you knew was obedience in God's way and what you really wanted to do in the moment. And you tried to justify it and say, like, listen, I obey most of God's laws, like especially the big ones, but this just isn't that big a deal. So I'm going to compromise on this. We've probably all been there. Or maybe they could have justified it and said, you know what? 
It's not fair. Everyone around us is going to just eat what's in front of them. So if we don't do that, we're going to look bad. We might not get chosen to be a part of the king's royal service. It just, it wouldn't be fair to us to follow God's way on this. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Maybe you're at work or maybe you're at school and all the people around you are doing something one way and it's borderline unethical. You know, God probably wouldn't approve of it. And you think it's not fair. All my friends are doing their homework this way and it might technically be copying from each other and not really putting in the work, but I'm going to be way behind if I don't do what they do. It's not fair. Or everyone at work is doing it this way. If I really stick to my guns on this one, I'm going to fall behind. It's not fair. We might justify it that way. Or maybe, maybe we think, you know what, it's not even so much about what I want, but I really am trying to to pursue the best spiritual solution. I'm just thinking long-term. Couldn't Daniel and his friends have thought this? You know what? I know God says not to eat this food. But what if we eat the food? And what if we get chosen for the king's royal service? Won't that give us more influence for God down the road? Is it possible that God wants us to actually compromise in the moment to have a bigger opportunity later? And again, that might seem crazy, but I'll at least go first and saying I've been guilty of this so many times. I know what God is calling me to do. I know the conversation he's calling me to have with a friend and I justify it and say, well, yeah, God, but that might ruin an opportunity later. And really, I'm just going to compromise right now. But don't worry, God. It's so that hypothetically in 10 years, I'll have an opportunity to really talk to that person then or really stick up for my faith then. And all of this comes back to the same point. What will you do when God's way is at odds with what seems best to you? You know what obedience would look like in the moment. But what you don't know is how that obedience is going to be used by God. You feel like, I don't see how this could be the best way. I'm tempted just to do things my way anyway. That's one of the first questions that Daniel and his friends were up against. And they did so well in light of that situation. How are we doing? How will we do when this question presents itself in the future? What will you do when God's way is at odds with what seems best? For each of these questions, I'm actually going to have you reflect, and I'm going to give you just a few seconds to even think about your answer right now. So here's the first question. It's in your message notes. Where right now do you need to trust God's way, even if it does not seem best to you? I'm actually going to give you a little bit of time to think about that right now. So let's go back to the story. I told you that God was a true hero of the story. And he, this is, he honors Daniel and his friends' obedience. And they get to join the king's royal service. And in chapter two, we saw this in the story that Billy read. Daniel wins even more favor because he's the only one that's able to interpret the king's dream. And at least in that moment, the king says, wow, the God you worship must be the true God. And that lasts all of like two seconds. Because as we turn the page to chapter three, we find out that King Nebuchadnezzar has set, set up a 90-foot-tall gold statue. And let's go to the story here in chapter 3. 
Some of the astrologers went to the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, scyther, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But, king, there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's friends, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods, and they do not worship the gold statue you have set up. And again, as we fill in the story, we see that God is the true hero, and and Billy read this, that they are thrown into the fiery furnace. It actually was made seven times hotter than normal, and God still rescued them from that fire. He is the true hero. But man, can we learn from these young men's uh, obedience and just the powerful way in which they live, live out their faith in this foreign context. You might think it is pretty amazing the way that they respond and that they were willing even to face death for their faith. But Ryan, I feel so lucky. I'll never be put in this situation. I'll never be asked to bow down to an idol that everyone else is worshiping. I I thank God that I live in America and I have my freedom and no one's ever going to make me do that. What I want you to realize, it's something we actually teach on a fair bit here at the bridge, is that with everything we do in our life, we worship something or someone. And there are so many opportunities. There are so many choices in front of us to decide, are we going to worship God on this? Or are we going to worship someone or something else? And so it might not, and it probably won't look like a 90 foot tall gold statue, but I promise you in your life, you will be asked to worship what everyone else is worshiping. And I'll give you a few examples. Looking back on my life, I realized where this happened to me time and time again, high school locker room with all my sports teams. And I saw them all not physically bowing down to an idol, but talking in a way that was so inappropriate and worshiping someone or something else other than God. And I had a choice in that moment. If I stood up while they were hypothetically bowing down, I would look like the biggest sore thumb just sticking out. Everyone would know, Ryan, why aren't you engaging in this conversation? Why aren't you participating? Are you just a snob? What's wrong with you? And I had a choice to make. When everyone else around you is worshiping something, Ryan, what will you worship? Will you continue to worship God or will you give in? Will you care more what your friends think? We have this opportunity a lot, I think, with media. Oh, everybody else is watching this TV show. Like literally everyone. I'm going to miss out on what's going on in the world if I don't watch it too. Yes, there's stuff in it that no way God would want me to put in front of my eyes, but everyone else is watching it. You can't honestly expect me to miss out on that. I won't even know what's going on when my friends are talking because they're all talking about this cool show. You may not see that as a choice between what you will worship, but it absolutely is. When everyone else is bowing down to something or someone other than God, what will you do? And I'll give one more example. Many of us are starting to find ourselves in a place at school or at work when we realize that no longer are we just being asked to accept things that are sin. And just accept that people have a different viewpoint on that. And to be tolerant of that, we're actually being asked to celebrate it. And what are we going to do? What is our answer going to be when we are asked to participate, when we are asked to celebrate, when we are asked to bow down to someone or something other than God? So what will you do when everyone around you is worshiping an idol? I'm going to give you a few seconds for reflection again. And here's the question. What idols are demanding your worship? What is everyone else around you doing that you need to refrain from doing? Take a few seconds to think about that.
Let's fast forward one more time in the story to chapter 6. And at this point in the story, there's a new king. It's King Darius. Daniel is still in a position of power. And actually, other people in positions of power look at Daniel and they're really envious because of his position. And they're trying to plot a way to get Daniel out of his prominent position. And scripture actually tells us because Daniel was so reliable and trustworthy and of upstanding character, they couldn't do it on the basis of his character. They decided the only way they were going to get him out was on the basis of his religion. So here's what happens in Daniel chapter 6. The administrators and the high officers, the ones who were envious of Daniel, they went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. And one more time, I'll say God is the true hero of the story because Daniel is thrown into the lion's den and God once again rescues him and shows his power. But again, what an example that we can learn from Daniel. That in the midst of the biggest threat of punishment you could possibly have, knowing that you could die for continuing to worship God, scripture tells us he went and he did what he always did. He didn't go flaunt himself in the middle of the public square and say, I'm going to, I'm going to try to force you, right? I'm, I'm going to embrace suffering. Here I am. But he also didn't hide either. He did what he always did. He prayed just like he had always done because he knew his obedience to God was more important. Amazing and powerful example. So the last question today is what will you do when worshiping God is likely to cost you something? There are Christians around the world who die for their faith. There are Christians around the world who get kicked out of their family because they uh, accept Jesus and proclaim his name. And those things aren't realities very often here in our country, but we all know what it looks like for our faith to cost us something. You all know the times when you said, you know what, I'm not going to let my faith shine as brightly here because I think it might cost me something if I do. You have a group of friends, perhaps, that you're a little bit different around them because it might be embarrassing if they saw you praying or living out your faith the way you typically do. Or maybe at work, you just tone down your Christianity just enough that you make sure it doesn't actually cost you any opportunities because you know it might not be looked at well if you were unabashedly a Christian at work. Or maybe with your neighbors or with your family, you're just worried about the awkwardness. Like, I'm going to have to keep seeing these people. I'm not going to make it abundantly clear. I'm not going to talk about my faith all the time because I I don't want it to be awkward. My guess, if you're a broken, sinful man or woman like I am, there's been many times in your life where you realize, I have intentionally toned down my worship of God. I've hidden it. I've stopped it because of certain circumstances or situations or people. And it was all because I was afraid my faith was going to cost me something. And my final challenge to you today is really just to ask you, is, is God worth what it might cost you to worship him? I believe a day is coming more so than it has been in the past here in America where worshiping the true God and proclaiming Jesus will cost you something. Is God real enough to you? Is he important enough to you to say whatever the cost, God, you are worth it. No one will stop me from worshiping you. 
So here's the final question I want you to reflect on. In what situations right now is it hardest for you to boldly live out your faith? And what would it look like for you to more openly, and I'll say unapologetically, worship God in those situations? Take one more minute to think right now. None of this is going to be easy, so I want to end our time by praying together and praying specifically for two things. One is for the boldness to live out our faith when it's clear what the third way looks like, when we know how God is calling us to live as exiles, when we know he's telling us to draw on the line of the sand, God, give us your Holy Spirit boldness so we can do that. But the second thing I want to pray for is wisdom, because all of these situations were fairly clear what obedience looked like. But my guess is you'll run into things at work or school with friends, with neighbors, with family, and you'll say, God, what is the third way in this situation? How do I engage culture, but not give in completely? How do I be in the world, but not of it? Give me your wisdom on this issue. So let's pray right now for that boldness and that wisdom. God, we thank you as always for your word. We thank you for the book of Daniel. We thank you for the examples of these young men who chose the third way, who knew what it meant to live as exiles and keep their eyes on their true home. Help us to do the same. We don't really belong to this earth. So show us what it looks like to live for the time that you give us here. Give us boldness to draw those lines in the sand when we need to. And God, when we're just not sure what you're calling us to do in this sometimes gray world, show us, give us your wisdom. God, but above all of this, first of all, give us the conviction that you are worth it, that obedience to you is worth it, that your way is best, and that you are the ones that we should be worshiping and loving with our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us here today. As a reminder, we'll be at Ramona Park for baptism service next week. We will see you there at 9 a.m. Have a good week. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church in Portage, Michigan. For additional information, check out thebridgeportage.org or stop by and visit us.